Okay, let's get started with this year, Parshas Emor, Tavshin Ein Zayin, as we have a break from the double Parshios, and we have one Parsha stuck in the middle, Parshas Emor, and this Parsha could be called the Parsha of Kedusha. As we know, it's the Parsha of Kedusha's Adam, the Kohanim are discussed, Kedusha's HaMakom, you have some halachas related to the Beis HaMikdash, and of course, Kedusha's Hazman, we have Perach of Gimel, of Vayikra, which is all about Kedusha's of the Shabbos and Yantiv of the Moadim. So really, this is the, if we had last week, Achremos leading into Kedoshim, this is really the halachos of, uh, besides Kedusha in one's life, the three areas of Kedusha, Kedusha's HaMakom, Kedusha's Hazman, and Kedusha's HaGavra, are all uh, emphasized through the halachos in the, in the Parsha. We'll start off with something towards the end, and then we'll get back towards the beginning, because uh, this is a thought that's both related to the Parsha and related to this time of year. A thought on Sphiris Omer. We know we are in the midst of counting the Omer, and uh, we uh, have find the mitzvah, the mitzvah's Asei Da'araisa of Sphiris Omer in our Parsha, Perach of Gimel, Pasik uh, Tes Vav, the Torah tells us, Usfartam Lachem Imachras you shall count. From the day after Shabbos, which we know from Torah Shabbat Peh means the day after the first day of Pesach, and we start from them, Yom Aviacham is Omar Tanufa, from the day that you bring the carbon Omer, from the new grain, the new barley that has grown, Sheva Shabbosos Timimos Tiyana. Seven weeks, as we know, we count both days and weeks from Pesach until uh, Shavuos. There is a machlok as we shown him, whether that, that mitzvah, this mitzvah, this beloved, beloved mitzvah, that uh, almost all of Klai Yisrael you know, gets ready for, and we were excited about, and many have the minag of even saying a special Yehirat zone before one does the mitzvah, depending on one's minag. But it's a mitzvah that we focus on. Uh, is that a mitzvah d'araisa b'zmanazeh? Or is that only a zecher? Is it a mitzvah d'rabanan? So that is a machlok, as we've shown him. The Ramam holds that it is a mitzvah d'araisa today, to count Svirus Omer. Meaning, even though there is no carbon Omer that we are lacking from the day that we count, but it's still a mitzvah asay d'araisa. Ba'alei tosvus hold that is d'rabanan, because it's linked to the Karbana Omer, and if there is no Karbana Omer, then uh, we cannot do it fully Bizman We do it, but uh, it is more of a Zecher, and that is why, according to Tosus, right afterwards we say, We don't do that by many other mitzvot. We daven for the Beis HaMikdash right after the mitzvah, but we do it by Svirus Omer. So according to Baalei HaTosfus, it fits in very nicely, because we want to fulfill the mitzvah Daraisa of Svirus HaOmer. We don't uh, suffice with the mitzvah Rabbanan, that's why we daven for the Beis HaMikdash, and there are many issues uh, in the sugya of Svirus HaOmer. But one short message that we find here uh, from Rav Shradron, the Magad of Yerushalayim, quoted here in source number one, the Karasal Shabbos Onik. Kefib Shuto, Usfartem Lachem, what does that mean? In a halachic sense, what does it mean? You shall count for yourself. So we know each and every person has an obligation to count Svira. It is um, the way that Chazal understand the Torah in that if there is a plural language, so that means that means that every single Jew has to shake a lulav, take a lulav. Each and every Jew has to count Svirus Omer. If it says like it says by Yovel, that's the singular, that's only incumbent upon Bezdin. Bezdin on behalf of Klai Yisrael counts. That's the singular uh, versus the plural. But that Rav Shradron though focuses on the word Lachem. You shall count for you. What does that mean, you shall count for you? Usvartem. 
So by, by, by lulav, we know Allah teaches me. I have to own it. I have to own the Dalad Minim. But what about when it comes to Sfer Omer? I have to own? What do I have to own? I have to, there's nothing to own. There's no object. Maybe it could mean own it like we use. Like we use in on modern language. You have to own your Sfer what does that mean? You have to own your sphera. You have to make it yours. How do you make it yours? So let's see Rev Shradron. Amnam Amaramagid. Tamun kan pshat amok yoter. There's a deep idea here. Yesh adam hasofer la'atzmo. There are two ways that we could imagine somebody counting. Somebody could count uh, for themselves and think. Bo'od arba'am v'tisha yom emod ladin l'fnei ha'shofet. In another 49 days, I'm going to have to stand in front of a judge. V'yachmer says, gora li l'shevet u l'chesed. I'm going to have to stand in front of a judge and I'm very, it's very nerve-wracking. I don't know what's going to do. What's the, what's the decision going to be? I'm very nervous. That's one counting. I'm going to stand the judgment. And maybe that's what we do before our Shoshana. Maybe that's what El is about. But there's another way that we could give a mashal. Lu mato masofer, tisha yom In 49 days, I'm going to win the lottery. In 49 days, I'm getting a huge present. So that's two different types of counting. One of them brings anxiety. One of them brings nervousness. One of them brings pressure, brings worry. And the other one brings excitement. And I can't wait. And it, it, just time can't go fast enough. Sphere Saomer, every night when we count Sphere Saomer, we have to be so excited. Another day closer! Another amazing! Realize it's accounting for you. It's accounting for each and every Jew to be excited about the Sphira like a person who is yearning. With Simcha and yearning. We're going to get a special present uh, at that time. I didn't give it to you, but the Sefer Achinuch has a beautiful Lashon uh, on the Mitzvah Sphira Saomer on this week's parasha. Also, Sphira Saomer, where he talks about we have to count like, like, like you count down to the most exciting day of your life. That's what we have to look at Sfiris Omer. Every night when we count, we have to be so besimcha. He even asks the question that some Rishonim ask, why don't you count down? Right? Aren't, when you're excited, you count down 10, 9, 8. So why don't we count down? Why don't we count up? That's a good question. He deals with that. But that's the idea that we have to think about Sfiris Omer. We have to, we have to own our Sfiris Omer. It has to be ours. We have to have it as part of us, excited, looking forward to the day that's coming. So that is both in Yana Dioma and in the parsha as well. Mr. always comes out, obviously, at this time of year. So that gets us started in terms of our focus every single night. And this whole time period of Sphira, though right now it is a time period of mourning of Talmud Rabbi Akiva, but we know inherently it's magical. Like the Ramban writes on this week's parsha, we discussed this a number of years ago, the Ramban even calls the days of Sphira to Omer, Chalamoed, between Pesach and Shvuah. Shvuah is Atzeres in Chazal which is like Shemini Atzeris of the Torah. Rabban has that Lashon in this week's parasha. So we know it's a special days of building up and getting ready for Kabbalah Satoh. Okay, now let's go back to the beginning of the parasha. Parshas Emor. Vayomer Hashem El Moshe. Shem says to Moshe, Emor la Kohanim b'nei Aaron, say to the Kohanim, the children of Aaron, the sons of Aaron, v'yomartal lehem l'nefesh lo yitama b'yamav. And tell them the Isser of Tomas Kohanim. They shall not be, they're not allowed to become Tomei for anyone 
except the seven relatives. Says the Medrash on this Pasuk. Source number two. The word Amar appears twice, like a double. Emor v'yamarta. Chazal even pick up on that. As we know, Rashi quotes Emor v'yamarta. Lahazir gedol malaktanim. Say to the Kohanim to say to their children. Lahazir gedolim alaktanim. And a lot of drush about that line. But the Medrash on the Pasuk says, Rebbe Tanchum, Rebbe Chaniloi Pasach. Imros Hashem Amaros Tahoros. The Amiros, the talkings, the phrases of Hashem are pure. Imaros Hashem Amaros Tahoros. Imros Basar Vadam, Ainan Amaros Tahoros. But what a person says is not pure. Here Hashem is saying, Emor, Viamarti, he's telling us to say. But the Medrash says, the Amiros of Hashem are different than the Amiros of a human being. Binoheg Shabaolam, Melech Basar Vadam, Nichnas La Medina. In the world, a king goes into the city. Tomorrow, I'm going to build you unbelievable things. I'm going to do so much for this city. It's like a, 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 a campaign promise. I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm going to build you an aqueduct for water. And what happens? He didn't do it. He didn't follow through. Where is he? Where are his amiros? Hashem's amiros are different. That's the medrash. Says Rav Zevin to help bring the medrash down into our lives and help us understand it a little more. Says Rav Zevin in Latorah Balamoadim, Shalosh Amiros There are really three types of speech that we could categorize. Three categories of speech. Number one, Amirashikochabatz Musa. One type of speech is a speech that has inherent power in it, even without doing anything. The speech itself is powerful. Amira Shiniskaima, category two, something that you say that is eventually fulfilled, and meaning it's not anything when it occurs, but when it's fulfilled. And then you have the opposite, Amira Shaloniskaima, and Amira that is not fulfilled. Says of Zev, Imra Sashem, as the Pasik says, the Amira of Hashem is inherently powerful. As the Pasuk says, With the word of Hashem, Hashem's speech creates. And with His breath, As the Mishnah says in Perkeyavos, With ten Amiros, Right, He doesn't do anything, he just says, and it is. Because that speech is power. That speech is creation. That speech is fulfillment. That's a Kaddish Baruch Hu speech. If I say something, a person says something, it doesn't have that power. It's not laden with influence, just saying a word. Nothing happened yet. Kodesh Baruch Hu's speech already accomplishes. But our speech does not. That's the contrast in the Medrash. You have Emor v'yamarta Hashem Zamira. That's something. When we do it, we're not on that level. The best you're going to get is type 2. The worst we could get is type 3. 
I can fulfill, I can give it something positive by fulfilling what I said I'm going to do. And that, of course, is the, and that, of course, is the worst. And that's the message of a king coming, he promises everything, but if nothing is actually accomplished, saying is not doing. By HaKadosh Baruch Hu, saying is doing. Says Rav Zevin, though, but there's one exception to the rule. There's one area where we could be like God. Mahu Afata, where even our words have power. If I promise that I'm going to do something, I commit to do something in the future, then that's, that's not. But what if I'm doing something? What if I'm learning Torah? What if I'm davening? What if what I'm doing is creating eternity for me? So then that's acting like God. That reaches the level of Imros Hashem Amoros Tahoros. That's creating. Like Rav Chaim Yvalashen talks about, we have no idea how every word of our davening creates worlds in the heaven. We can't fathom. We don't know what that means. And he says we shouldn't focus on that when we daven. We should just focus on what the words mean. But we should realize there's such power. It's like sometimes pressing a button and we don't even see what the button does, but it's connected to something in the other room and it's turning something on. When we say those words, Hashem Svasai Tiftach, when we say the words of davening, it's powerful. Line 20. There's a way that we could be like Hashem. Just the Amira itself. And that's the Kohanim. That's why the Kohanim, I'm telling you two Amiros, Emar Vamarta. You could do the second Amir, which you have to have fulfilled, but also do the Amir like me. Remember, the Kohanim should be the leaders, should be the Torah leaders. And therefore, Emar Vyamarta, Kohanim. And we are all Mamlechas Kohanim in the larger sets. We have to try to have as many first two categories, Amiras, as we can. Promising to do something, planning to do something, and doing it, and even actualizing it as we say the words. Those are the Amiros. We could be like HaKadosh Baruch. Okay. So what are the Amiros? What is the what are the halachas? As we know at the beginning of our parasha, we have all the unique halachas relating to Kohanim. There are people that they're not allowed to marry. There are other halachas. But the major halacha that's discussed first is the Isser of Tomas Kohen. Right, one of the very few exceptions to the rule, the Mishnah says a Kiddushin. Are there any losases that women are not included in it? Right, we know. Time-bound mitzvahs women are exempt from, generally. Unless there's an exception to the rule. All time-bound losases women are included in. Except for two, maybe three. But one of them is Baal Tatami Lamesim. An Aishas Kohen is not obligated in Mitzvah in Tumas Kohanim, but a male Kohen is. As the, Kohen, as the Pasuk says, Only for a primary relative, one of the seven relatives. Aviv Imo, Imo Aviv, Bino, Bito Achiv, Achoso Absula Krovailov, La Itama Vechul. Okay, that's the halach of Tumas Kohanim. There's a fascinating discussion in the Rishonim. A halachic discussion. But it's on a story in Tanakh. We know the story in Malachim Aleph, in, towards the end of Malachim Aleph, we have the story of the Almana Hatsarfatit, who Elio Anavi went and took care of, and then what happened? He blessed her with a child. She has a child, right? Exactly what Elisha did later on with the Isha Shunamit, Elio did with the Isha Almanat Sarfatit. 
And he, she, he died, as the Navi tells us, and what happens? He does Chiyas HaMesim. That's the simple understanding of the story, when we read the story. One of the two times, and the, that's Pshat, when Elisha says to Elio, as he's going up in the chariot of fire, Elio says, ask me whatever you want. Elisha says, I want double what you did. So Elisha did Chiyas HaMesim twice, possibly. That was the double. But Elio did it at once. But there's a halachic question on that. It is very unclear, which itself is an amazing ha'ara. It's, ama- it's, a, it's very unclear which Shevet was Elio Anavi from. He has different names. Elio, Elio HaGiladi, Gilad. Like, what Shevet is he from? So there's a Gemara in Mesechaz Bamatsiya that tells us that he was a Kohen. If we say that the Neshama of Elio is connected to Pinchas, as some sources say, then we understand that. But some say he was a Kohen. So we're going to go with that opinion right now, because that's what the Rishonim deal with. Tosfus and Masechus Bamatsiya asks, the Gemara there, Bamatsiya, Kuf Yudalit, bottom of the page, source number three. Elionavi was a Kohen, says the Gemara. He was in the Beisak Forest, the Gemara tells us. And one of the Tanaim says, what are you doing in the cemetery? Aren't you a Kohen? So on that, so he gives an answer what he was doing there. But then Tosfus says, he was a Kohen, Tema Lari as Tosvos Hech Hechya Binashal Almana Kivan Shakoinaya Dirseva Ismodiralya Vihu Bagomer. How was he able to do Triasamesim on the child? He had to go and be Matame himself. This wasn't one of the seven relatives. So how could how could Elionavi, assuming that he was a Kohen, how could he go in and save the child? How could he be Matame himself? Does the ends justify the means? Ask Tosfus, ask the other he shown him. So Tosfus' answer, again, we can spend a lot of time on this. We're not, we're just going to mention two ideas. Says Tosfus, He was certain that he would bring him back alive. He was saving a life. He was sure that he would save the life, and therefore, he was able to do it. The achronim are bothered by the language of Tosis. Why do you have to be sure? Even if there's a 10% chance you can save a life. You know, we're still machalel all Yisurim. But either way, that's Tosis' answer. Pikuach nefesh! That's why he was able to do it. Okay? One answer. If we look in the Radvaz, Radvaz, the great Rav, mostly in Egypt, towards the end of his life, I think he came to Eretz Yisrael. The Radvaz, 1500, says the Radvaz, 1500s, 1500s, Sha'al Tamimani, he was asked this question in Shuvah 2250. He's bothered. Tomas Kohenim. Didn't Elio Navi know Parsha Zemar? Right, so how can he make himself tame? So the Radvaz gives five answers. He's bothered by this question. A posek usually doesn't give five answers to a question, but here either one of them is the ones that we saw on Tosis. First answer, top right, Yeshomrim, Shalom Mamish. He wasn't fully dead. Some people say he was, he was mostly dead, he was almost dead, he fainted, he looked dead, but he wasn't really dead. That's why if you focus on various psukim in the story, you get different impressions. Midechsiv, Ajlo no trubo neshama. I, it was almost not there. Okay, one question. One, I'm sorry, one answer the Radvaz gives. Says Radvaz, I don't like this answer uh, for a number of 
of, uh, of reasons. Says the Radvaz online, right in the fifth line. What's the language of the Isha? She comes to El Yo, look what you did. You gave me a son, but now he's dead. See, your son is alive. It doesn't mean he didn't die. He doesn't like that answer. Number one. Number two, He calls Rabbeinu Bachai from a hundred years before. Who says she was Jewish? Who says she was Jewish? And maybe he didn't touch the baby, he just went into the same ohel, and that way he wasn't Metame himself. And Okay. You'd have to say, But I don't like that either, says the Radvaz, because after all, Chazal, the Rishonim on the Pasuk say, you know who this baby was? According to some, Yona ben Amitai. It's Yona. He's pretty Jewish. Rayona ben Amitai. V'chi Yona Navi Hashem ben Nachris Haya. He was the son of a Nachris. V'chi Temashen Izgayer, Heich Miyaches Oso Acharaviv. And if he was Izgayer, so... I don't understand. So the Rav says, I don't like that answer either. And he quotes other Raiz uh, as well that he wasn't. Number three, he quotes Tosus. Top left. Tosus, Tirzu, Bevera, Kamakaba. We just saw that Tosus. Shahiya Barlo, Shechayehu. Lachena, Yemutu, Rebbe, Bikuach, Nefesh. Kasha said the Rav I don't like that either. Chada, Ein Som, Chanalanes. Even if you're Eliyahu Navi, do you rely on miracles? Maybe. I mean, he did by Eliyahu Bahar Carmel. Maybe there Hashem said to what to do. He said, Anani Hashem Anani. That was pretty relying on a miracle. But the Radva says, we don't usually do that. Visu, the Imbarlo, also the language of Tosis. Imbarlo lo It's not pikuach nefesh. We don't use that lashon. Okay. Either way, the Radvaz keeps coming with the answers. Maybe he didn't touch the Yelet. He was outside. There was no roof. But the answers that he likes, which is probably the the most straightforward answer that the Radvaz says, line 15, or maybe Tosin's answer. This is a, an unusual case of Bikoch Nefesh. That's also uh, a straight answer. But the Radvaz says, right? It would have been for Eliyahu Anabi to give this woman a child. And then for the child to die, what about the next parak? The very next parak in the Navi is Eliyahu Bahar Carmel, right? The Isser of Shchute Chutz. Harasha! Right? There was a one-time thing. So here too, you had to do it. You had to do it. Or others say, maybe it was like a... Uh, other examples he gives. Either way, these are a number of the answers that are given by the Rishonim, the Tosas and the Radvaz, relating to the mitzvah of Tomas Kohanim. Just to, to remind also what we discussed a number of years ago, the Sefer HaChinuch, who gives the Svara for why a Kohen is allowed to become Tameh for his seven relatives. Right? If it's so inherently abhorrent, this is an Avera, you're not going to become Tameh. So why the seven relatives? The Kohen Gadol doesn't have the seven relatives. Kohen Gadol can't become Tameh, and yet here the Kohenim can. So the Sefer HaChinuch uses the phrase, the Pasik, which we shown him use in various places, though the Gemara is found very uh, only one or two places. We want the Kohen is not going to go to his father's Leviah. The Kohen is not going to be able to go to his his uh, primary relative. 
So yes, the Kohen Gadol is extreme. The Kohen Gadol has to be more a representative of the people and separate from family. Okay, what could you do? That's the Kohen Gadol. But other Kohanim says the Sefer Achinach, Durachecha Darachinoam, and that's why the Torah allows a Kohen to become Tameh, and not only allows, but we paskin, obligates a Kohen to become Tameh for his, for his seven relatives. Okay, moving right along to a mitzvah in the middle of the parsha. So we know as we started off, this is the parsha of Kedusha, we start off by Tumas Adam, uh, by Kedusha's Adam, all about Kohen, and then we have halachas about Karbanos, which are given in the base of Migdash, Kedusha's Hamako. Right, that's in the middle of the parsha. All about the halachas of Baalei Mumin. And then we have, before we get to Parshas HaMoadim, we have a couple of other halachas, which, interesting to think about what they all have to do with each other and what they're doing here. We're not going to go through all of them now. We're going to go through one. Right, we have the, the Isser of, of uh, Osova Espino. We have the Isser of, of uh, Nosar. But then we have one of the most defining mitzvos in all of halacha. And that is the Isser of Chilul Hashem and the Mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. Says the Torah, Do not desecrate the, my holy name. And I shall be sanctified amongst B'nai Yisrael. I am Hashem who sanctify you. Chilul Hashem and Kiddush Hashem. Interesting that Chilul Hashem is said first. We would think Kiddush Hashem no, Hashem says, Chil Hashem first, below Sachalalu and Vinikdashti. So one story about Kiddush Hashem and then one thought about Kiddush Hashem. We might have mentioned this in other contexts. It's a story that's quoted in many different svarim. Uh, I gave it to you from Rav Salvechik. Uh, he quoted this, that he heard this story from his father. But it goes back to the times of the Vilna Gon. Right, this is the story of the Gerd Sedek of Vilna, as it is known. The righteous convert of Vilna. There was a very famous um, count in uh, in Poland at the uh, at the time, right, 1700s, Count Pataki, and his um, his the father was one of the leading aristocrats of Poland. I'm reading various lines in source number five. Half of Lithuania belonged to Pataki, right? It's a huge castle. I went last year to Poland. I saw the castle where the, where this family lived. It's about a few blocks long. It's huge. It's a huge castle. He was a feudal lord. As you know, feudalism prevailed in Poland until the end of the 18th century. His son is known in Jewish history as Graf or Count Pataki. Somehow, it's not 100% clear, he converted. The son converted. He was at, at a university in Italy, and he, uh, he was a smart, smart guy, and he abandoned Catholicism and embraced Judaism, and he became a Jew. But the problem was, his father was this big, this big guy, a Polish aristocrat. It wasn't so acceptable for him to, to be a Jew. Because, line 23, conversion to Judaism was prohibited in Italy, he went to Holland, which permitted such changes of religion, and had he remained there, he might have lived longer. But he yearned for his homeland, and he yearned for Lithuania. So he came back to Vilna. He was worried, uh, so he like, kept in hiding, and the turning the page, he studied, he learned, and the story is that goes that that tragic story. But on the top of the next page, it seems that once a boy was making noise, and the graph told the youngster to be quiet. Was the boy making noise in shul? And he said, "Shh." And the boy's father, a shoemaker, said, "You're not a Jew, and you told my son to be quiet." And the father then informed the police, and eventually, the family found out where their long lost son was, and they reported. They arrested him and offered 
if you give up Judaism, you come back to the Catholicism, everything would be great and wonderful. And he resisted all pressure, and he was ready, he was set to be put to death on the second day of Shuas in Chutzlares, 1749. And the story goes, and this was has to do with Kiddush Hashem, uh, he, he died on Kiddush Hashem, obviously, but, uh, this is the story, he says, uh, look on line 23. This story is, is a historical fact. I heard the following additional detail from my father, who heard it from Reb Chaim, who heard it from Reb Yosef Dov, the Beis HaLevi, who heard it in the name of Reb Chaim Yivalajin, the Talmud of the Grah. So you get a lot of schar for Homer Dabr Shem Amro for that line. But the point why Reb Salvechik said this was to show that this is, this is a fact. This is the story. It's not just, uh, I heard it from my father, Reb Chaim, the Beis HaLevi, Reb Chaim Yivalajin, going back. The night before he was going to be killed, the Grah came to visit him came to visit him, and he saw that he began to cry. The Grah began to cry, and the Grah asked him, why was, he, was he scared? What was he scared of? And the Gerat said, no, he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared of death or torture. He was scared that he would be alone in the next world. He was scared that he had no family. He knew the halacha, he wasn't zochad to have children, wasn't zochad to have a family. Neither his father nor his, fa- nor his family were Jewish. You know very well that the relationship between father and son is completely abandoned when one becomes a convert. Says the Graal, I'll tell you the following. We quoted this in the Navi Shir last week in Sefer Yeshayahu. Yeshayahu says in Perak Memdalad, the Pasuk says, Hashem says, Ani Rishon va'ani acharon umi biladayin elokim. We have uh, Ezra Sabosayin who is based on that. The Medrash in Shmos says on that Pasuk, Ani Rishon Vani If you look in our version of the Medrash, Ani Rishon, Hashem says, I have no father. Ani Acharon, I have no son. That's what the Medrash says. Which might be a polemic against other uh, religions in the Medrash. But says the Gra, I don't think that's the, that's the right text of the Medrash. Because what does it mean, Hashem, I don't have a father? What's, that, what's the Chiddush? Of, that's, what, that's Pashut. What's the Habamina? Hashem has a father. What's the message of that Medrash? And Ani Acharon says the Gra, I think the Medrash should read as follows. I am the Floyd 51. The correct reading should be, I am the first, I am Rishon to the one who has no father. Not that I have no father. I am the father to he who has no father. I am the last to the one who has no son. I am a father to one who has no father, to everyone who is lonely. I am a son to everyone who dies childless. This is what Yeshayahu Anavi is saying, B'Shem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says the Ger Tzedek, Nichantani, Vilnagon, Nichantani, you comforted me. He realizes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be with him, La'asilavo, only then did the Gon leave the prison. And says Rav Salvechik, he always thinks about this when we say this Pasuk. We say this Pasuk in Malchias. Right on Ani Rishon Vani Acharon Mivaladayin Okim on Rosh Hashanah, he always thinks of this story. But this is a story that highlights the mitzvah in an extreme way of Kiddush Hashem. But let's get to other aspects of Kiddush Hashem uh, on the next page from Rav Yosef Nechemia Kornitzer. Yosef Nechemia Kornitzer. So again, we have in this pasuk Kiddush Hashem and Chil Hashem. As of Yosef Nechemia, aren't these two? Very different extremes. Chil Hashem is like the worst thing you can do. Like the worst. Like you, you, we think, oh, Chil Hashem. It's like the, the, the magical words that were like terrible. It's terrible. Like somebody does something and people see it and they, 
Right, the word we know, Chil Hashem, we've mentioned in the past, comes from the word Chalal. Chalal means empty. Right, I've emptied this area out from God. Right, there's no godliness in this area. Like Chalal is outer space, and a Chalal is a dead body. There's no life. And a Chalal is a Kohen who's empty from Kedushas Kahuna. Chalal is empty, so we've emptied out this space. Something extreme. It's not something that we think of ourselves. I was always involved in Chil Hashem, hopefully. And then on the other end, we have Kiddush Hashem. To, we don't make a Kiddush Hashem. So we also think, is that every, we do that all the time? That's also like, oh, if you major, make a Kiddush Hashem. We have a major opportunity. Most of our lives, isn't it like somewhere in the middle? There's not like, there's a lot in between the Kiddush Hashem and the Chil Hashem. And yet the Torah puts it in the same Pasuk. And yet the Torah says, don't make a Chil Hashem, make a Kiddush Hashem. As if it's one or the other. Two ideas, one in Rav Yosef Nechemia and one based on a Rambam. It says Rav Yosef Nechemia Chornitzer. V'inei Tzarech Bir, line six. Ki chil Hashem u'ed yota ha-tachtona. That's the lowest level. Ragle yordo sha'ola. Right, it's the, the legs of a chil Hashem are so low. V'kidosh Hashem u'amadrega yoter gavoa. Kidosh Hashem is so high. V'eich me'anashim. Which people are like vacillating between both? Which people are doing like a little of this, a little of that? Which people that you need to encourage them not to do a chil Hashem? The same people that are going to have to prevent not do chil Hashem are going to do chidush Hashem. So two ideas. Number one says Yosef Maybe the following. Let's focus on the words themselves. Kiddush Hashem. Chilul Hashem. The name. What does that mean? When we say Hashem, what does Hashem mean? Hashem means the name. In the Pasuk, right, the Pasuk says, Velosachalu es shame kudshi. Vinikdashti besokbani. So what does it mean, shame? Why do we call it Kiddush Hashem? Hashem? So says the Velosim Nechemia. Maybe it goes back to a famous halacha about God's name. What does Hashem allow to happen to His name? Kfar Amru Chazal Amr Hakadosh Baruch Hu Shmi Shenechta Bikdusha Yimache Bishvil Hashalom Hashem allows His holy name to be erased to bring a husband and wife together. Shalom Bayis. As we know, in the process of Anisha Sota, we erase God's name. Hashem is Mochel. It's okay for Shalom, for peace. Um, uh, it's okay. You could erase my name, erase shame, Hashem, for the good of peace. So Hashem's name symbolizes shalom. When we're ba'achtus, when we act with shalom to each other, that is a fulfillment of shame, Hashem. That's sanctifying God's name. The yesh bizel lomon muzer v'haskel lios boreach mikol machlokes v'yadarab lios oev shalom v'rodev shalom v'yalkein and therefore whenever we're involved in any machlokes in any pirud that is a chilul Hashem Hashem's name exists for shalom and He'll erase it to create shalom if we are machal if we are machlokes kol machlokes kina tachras b'israel who chilul Hashem Daika, specifically. We're not learning the lesson of the Shem Hashem. When we fight, when we argue, we're not learning the lesson, and therefore it is a chilul 
of the message of Hashem. And then he even adds, Ba'avonoseinu harabim, you know where a lot of times, often, Rachman al-Etlan, where it's the worst, where there's such potential for Kiddush Hashem, but sometimes it ends up in Chil Hashem, which place is supposed to be Jews together, but sometimes we let our egos get in the way, and therefore it turns into a Chil Hashem, the Beis HaKnesses. In Shul, the place we're supposed to gather to sanctify God's name, to say Kadosh Kadosh, to act like angels, to come together. And yet, what happens? Rachman al-Etzlan. Hasatan hu marake dafke b'batik nesio z'batim idrashos. B'makam shi'i zomis kapsin l'kadish Hashem. Ki en kadush ha-pachos mi'asara. Daik ha-shom nimsa kategoria. Makam kiddush. You can make a kiddush. You can gather together. Barova majus melech. Everybody davening to Hashem. And yet, I didn't get that aliyah. He, uh, he's this. And uh, so many things that we can, we, we're, we're so makpid on. Says of Yosef Nechemia, that's, that's the problem. It's all about Shalom and Machlokas. It's all about in the shul. So they're very close to each other. So yes, they're not two extremes and everybody's in the middle, but it's something that we're all involved in. Number one. Number two is a second idea, though he doesn't mention, but the way the Rambam understands this, we quoted this four or five years ago, this Rambam, this is a refrigerator Rambam. It could be on our refrigerators and we could look at this over and over again. The Rambam tells us how Kiddush Hashem and Chil Hashem is not just how we sometimes think about it. In the extreme cases, living our life like Avde Hashem in all ways is a Kiddush Hashem. And Rahman al-Islam the opposite. Says the Rambam in Hilchot Yisodia Torah, after he discusses the extreme cases of giving one's life and the big three Averis, all the different halachas, but at the end of that same parak. Says the Rambam, Manuchos Yisodia Torah, Parakei Halacha Yud and Yud Aleph. Says the Rambam, Halacha Yud Aleph, Yesh Dvarim Acherim, Shehein Bechlal Chil Hashem. There's other cases of Chil Hashem. Let me tell you, says the Rambam, Fushi Yasa Adam Gadol BaTorah UMefarsim BeChasidus Dvarim Shabrios Moran and Ozachar Abishvilan. Somebody who's known as a great person, and he does things that people think are somewhat questionable. Doesn't even say he, did. he raises eyebrows. And the greater a person is, the greater he has to make sure not to raise any eyebrows. And that's what the Gemara sometimes says, Adam Chash of Shiny. Not that there's a different halacha, but people look at you, and if people look at you, then you have to realize that people look at you. The Apopishain and Averos, even though it's not an Avera, Hareza Chilo, that's a shame. Whoa. Somebody who has the greater potential for Kiddush Hashem? A great Jewish leader has the greater potential for Chil Hashem. I buy something, I don't pay right away when I'm supposed to pay. I'm a little too, too much levity. Too much, a little bit, a little bit too much. Too much hanging out with those who I maybe shouldn't hang out with. I don't always have a refined way of talking to people. I'm gruff. I'm a little... People get the wrong idea when I talk to them. I'm not cheerful and smile when I meet people. That is a chilo Hashem. I'm argumentative. And of course the Ram says in the opposite. 
the greater a person is, the more potential there is for Kiddush Hashem. The more potential there is to inspire. Right? If somebody has benachas and mabrios his dibor, v'daito mu'urevesi mahem, u'magbila makeb sefer panem yafas, v'nelav, and I let things slide, mechabila, and I feel mekilomo, v'nosim, v'nosim bemuna. I'm honest. These are all everyday activities. The Ramam here is not talking about extreme Kiddush and Chil Hashem. But it's everyday activities. Whenever people see us, we're busy. Free time, we're learning. We have a little safer in our pocket. Now, we don't even need Svarim. It's on the phone. Which is a little bit Marasayan. If I'm learning, people think I'm always on the phone. But if you, if you have a safer, it should be the worst Marasayan. The Osa, it shouldn't be done during davening. The Osa called myself a Fnimishura Sadin. V'chulu, v'chulu. That's Kiddush Hashem. The same Pasuk as Chil Hashem, Kiddush Hashem. You know why? Because they're very close to each other. And it applies in all areas of our lives. That should be a Kiddush Hashem. We mentioned, I think, years ago or so, the diuk that Rav Nissen Alpert has in the Pasuk. V'nikdashti b'soch b'nei Yisrael. Isn't it unusual that it uses the passive v'nikdashti and not v'kadeshoti? Sanctify me. What do you mean v'nikdashti? I will be sanctified. It should be sanctify me. What's v'nikdashti? Says of Nisan Alper, because Kiddush Hashem is not something that I should wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to be sanctify God's name. I'm going to say that. It's, it can't be on our mind all the time. We have to live life. But you know what we could do? If we can condition ourselves to live a sanctified life, if we can condition ourselves in terms of how we talk and how we eat, and how we deal with people, and how we dress, and how we do... So then, Mimela, even without thinking, our lives will be a Kiddush Hashem, and Hashem's name will be sanctified, even without our focusing on it. Some of the greatest leaders, some of our Rabbeim, you know, we look at them, they're not trying to be holy, they just are holy. Right? We don't have to focus, and that's what we all have to do. We have to try to live our lives in a way that Mimela v'nikdashti b'soch b'nei Yisrael. Okay. Moving right along, now we get to Perachav Gimel. We'll spend the rest of the time on the Parshas HaMoadim. As we know, there are three times, three major, let's mention more, but three major uh, sections talking about the holidays in the Torah. We have Parshas Emar is the first one. We have Parshas Pinchas, and we have Parshas Re'eh. Right, those are the three, each one having its own focus. Pinchas is about the Musafin. And Re'eh is about the other mitzvahs and Alila Regel. And Emar has to do with the mitzvahs. Except Shofar is not mentioned here, but Sphir Omer is mentioned here. And um, other uh, Yom Kippur, the Inuyim are mentioned here. And other, so the Dalad Minim and Sukkot is mentioned here. Okay. A famous question that we've dealt with in the past that we'll deal with again now is how the section starts. By Dabar Hashem Moshe Limar, Dabar Speak to the Bnei Yisrael. Tell them, Moadei Hashem, Ashetikro Samikroi Kodesh, Ela Heim Moadai. These are the holidays. Okay, we're ready. If we weren't looking at the next pasuk, what would we say the next pasuk would be? It would either be about Pesach. That would be our first guess, because in the Torah that's the first month. Maybe Rosh Hashanah, but that's in the seventh month. We call it a Rosh Hashanah, but in the Torah it's not Rosh Hashanah, right? In the Torah it's just the first day of the seventh month. So, we would guess Pesach. And yet, what's the next Pasuk? Sheishas yamim te'asem alacho v'yom ha'shvi Shabbos Shabbos and Mikra Kodesh Shabbos. Kol malacha lo sa'asu. Shabbos yil Hashem b'chomosh osechem. 
Shabbos. And then there's another introduction, and then we get into Pesach. So Chazal are already bothered by this. What is Shabbos doing in the Parshas Amadim? Shabbos is mentioned many times in the Torah. We don't need it mentioned here. If it's mentioned here, it must be for a purpose. So Rashi already quotes uh, one of the suggestions. Ma inyin Shabbos eitzel moados. Right? The, this type of question is only famous in next week's parsha. Ma inyin shmita eitzel arsinai. But Rashi quotes here. Ma inyin Shabbos eitzel moados. What is Shabbos doing here? El alametcha to teach us. Shekol amachalas amoados ma'alin alav kiluchilas hashabasos. If, you, if you're Mechalel, if we are Mechalel Yantif, it's as if we were Mechalel Shabbos. If we properly fulfill the Chagim, the Yom Tovim, then it's as if we would fulfill Shabbos as well. Okay, great. But there are many other additional interpretations about the connection between Shabbos and Yantif. Rav Salvechik in a number of places discusses this. Uh, I gave it to you from the Mesorah Sarav, which, again, takes a lot of our Salvation's Torah and puts it on, on the Chumash. But this was really part of one of his major yardside shirim that he used to give for his father every Gimel Shvat, uh, printed in Shirim Luzecher Abamari. But this was one of his themes there. And it was also quoted in short. I gave it to you in the next source. Rav Shechter quotes it in Divrei Harav in source number 10. And that is, we usually think of Shabbos and Yantif inherently as very different sanctifications. Very, diff- very different kedushos, reflected by the different ending of the bracha that we say in the Shmon Asrei of these days. The Gemara and Beitzah tells us that on Shabbos we end off Mekadesh HaShabbos. We have no input into Shabbos, I would think. Right? Even if Bezdin does nothing, Shabbos is Shabbos. And I have to keep Shabbos, and I can't live without Shabbos. And even if I'm on a desert island, the Gemara says... And I have no idea what day of the week it is. I have to keep Shabbos. How do you keep Shabbos? The Gemara says that you either count six days and then keep Shabbos, count six days and then keep a Shabbos, or that day is Shabbos, then you count six days. That Shabbos and six days. So either, you have to have a Shabbos, even if I'm totally wrong. But that's what we usually think. So I have, I have Shabbos is automatic. Yantif, Bezdin decides. Mikadesh Yisrael, Vahazmanim. We have something to do with it. Bezdin sanctifies the month and then sanctifies the months, and the, the holidays in those months. Shabbos has to do with nature. It doesn't have to do with the months. That's what we think. Says Rev Salvechik, you know what this Parsha is teaching us? Among other many sources, it's not such a break. That's true. It is true. Shabbos is Kfi Kaima and Yantif is Mekadish Yisrael Vazmanim. But the Chiddush is we do and can add something to Shabbos. Our own Kiddush that we say every Friday night makes a difference. There's an Isra Malacha even if we don't sanctify it. But calling Shabbos as one of the Moadim, that tells us, says Reb Salvechik, we are also part of the creators of Shabbos. He quotes the Yerushalmi, line 12. Atama Yerushalmi Yimsachim, which has as the concluding bracha of the Kiddush on Shabbos, Mekades Yisrael V'yom HaShabbos. Whoa. What does that mean? Mekadesh Yisrael V'yom HaShabbos? Do B'nai Yisrael have anything to do with it? Suggesting that Israel indeed plays a role in the sanctification of Shabbos. The inclusion of Shabbos in these verses among the Moadim 
is consistent with the idea implied by the Yerushalmi that Yisrael sanctifies both the Shabbosos and festivals alike. After concluding with Shabbos, it moves on to discuss the other the other Chagim. Again, there's an automatic element to Shabbos that doesn't exist to Yantiv, but there's also an additional point. And the Rav, he doesn't quote it here, but Rav Salvechik mentioned that he compared it to the Halacha that the Gemara says about Bechor Behema Tahora. If I have a firstborn animal, that's a karbon, the Gemara still says, Mitzvah Lahakdisho. Even though it's automatically Kadosh, there's a mitzvah to say, this is Kadosh. To add my own personal Hakdasha to the animal. So too by Kiddush. When we make Kiddush Friday night, we add something. An additional element of intensity of the Kedusha. And that is why Rav Salvechik says on the bottom, that's why it's crucial to make Kiddush as soon as possible after Shabbos starts. What do you mean? It doesn't make a difference. No, no, no. We do it Friday night. We do it as close to the beginning of Shabbos. This rationale explains the insistence of the Shulchan Aruch that once you make Kiddush immediately upon returning home from Shul on Friday night, man is not permitted to delay imparting the added holiness to Shabbos through recitation of the Kiddush. We add, our Kiddush does something. We don't paskin like that, Yerushalmi. We say, Mekadish HaShabbos, but there is something definitely added. And that's what Rav Shechter says also, source number 10 on the next page, Right, Kiddush Anachnu is Yom HaShabbos. We add, we add just like the Moadim, and that's why it is here in the Parshas HaMoadim, why it is included as well. Number one. Two other ideas relating to the Chagim. Later on in the Perek, we have a couple of mitzvahs mentioned, which are very problematic, because this is the Perek all about the Chagim, and we go straight. Sphere Omer, okay, that's fine, that could be in there, because that's about counting from one of the Chagim to the next Chag. But there are another, other mitzvahs that are mentioned, smack in the middle. What are they doing here? Parachav Gimel, Pasik Chavbeis. Right after Shvuas, before Rosh Hashanah. What does the Torah tell us? Uvekutzrachem es ketzir artzachem. It's like a non sequitur in the middle of Narni. When you're harvesting your field, lo sechale pa'asadcha v'kutzrecha. Leave over peah. Make sure you leave over the corner of your field. If you drop some uh, sheaths, you got to leave them on the floor for the ani. Leave it for the poor. We have a couple of matnas aniim in the middle of this section. Asks Chazal, Rashi quotes it. What is this doing here? Amr of Dimi Bar Yosef, the Chima Ra'akas of Litzna Be'emsaharagolim, Pesach Vatzeres Mikan, for Rosh Hashanah of Yom Kippur Mikan. Stuck in the middle is the Manasaniim. Lelamecha says Rashi is to teach us Shekal Hanosein Leket Shichacha Vepeah La'ani Karaui. If I give these Manasaniim properly, Leket Shich and Peah, Ma'alin Alav Kilubana Beis Hamigdash Vehikriv Karbanasa Besocha. It's as if I built the base Hamigdash and I gave Karbanus. Wow. If I give Leket, Shech, and Peah, it's as if I gave Karbanus to the base Hamigdash. The Chagim are all about the Karbanus and the base Hamigdash. So if I give Leket, Shech, and Peah, if I give the Matanus to the Aniyim, so it's as if I gave Karbanus. Fine, that's Rashi. Ask the Maharalmi Prague. Ask the Gur Aryeh. What's the Pshat? What is giving the Matanus Aniyim to the poor have anything to do with Karbanus? Says the Maharal. Hatam Yadua. It's known. Well, I'll explain it for, for us. Thank you. 
The Maral is going to explain it. Source 11. What's the message of a carbon? Giving something of my own to God. Giving something of my I don't get anything back. Because Hashem told me to do I don't understand everything about carbonas, but I know Hashem wants me to do it. So I do it. And I give something of mine. That's also Lekat Shechen Pe'alaniyim. No sin mamon shalolaniyim. That is like a carbon Lashem. Shigamanis aniyim Lashem nechshav. Giving it to the ani is like giving it to Hashem. And then he adds something that we have to understand. Velodami l'tztaka. It's not like tztaka, where the Torah obligates you to give tztaka. Sof sof no sin osa derechanina. Tztaka, it's to teach compassion. You see an ani in front of you. But these manas aniim gizeiraso alav. It's not just based on rachmanis. The Torah tells you to do it. Give something of yours out. Why isn't this staka? Rev, Rev Hartman writes in the footnotes because there's no ani staring at you in the face. There's no maybe there's not going to be an ani here for three days. So it's not because oh there's an ani here. I have rachmanis. I want to give staka. There's nobody here. And guess what? I can't even choose who I'm going to give this to. Staka, I can choose. Whichever one he comes has to take it. It's not that I'm giving it. Hashem demands that I leave it here, and it's money that I have to part with. That's like a carpet. It's money that I have to part with, and I'm doing it because Hashem told me to do it. And then he even says, and you know what this explains? Or it's explained with? Godel ha-metsuva v'yoseh, mimishayin ha-metsuva v'yoseh. Staka, give whoever you want. Give whenever you want. You get to choose. It's based on the person in front of you. But manasaniyim, you have to do it because Hashem told you to do it. You don't know who the ani is going to be. You don't know. You have to take something of yours, like a carbon. And then he gives a mashal. He says on line seventeen, Shnei b'nei Adam, echad bonei l'melech bayis. Somebody builds a, a, a house for the king, and the second one builds a garden for the king. Enosa fake, osa shabona lo bayis, bebe shabona lo davar shetzarech umuchuyav liyoslo yosakaravlo. Whoever built the king the house is going to be more beloved to the king than somebody who builds in the garden. The king needs the house. The king doesn't need the garden. It's nice to have the garden, but I don't need it. If Hashem commands us something, Godol ha If he commands it, he, kaviyachol, needs it and wants it more. And therefore, if we do something because Hashem told us to do it, so that reflects something very special between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says the Ger that's Matnasaniyim. Matnasaniyim is like a carbon. We give something of our own. A- an animal. An animal. An animal's big. I give it to Hashem. Matnasaniyim. Lek at I'm not giving it directly to anybody. I'm leaving it for someone else, just like I can't choose the Kohanim, who is ever in the Beisav. That's the Maharal on Lek at One final thought. Let's squeeze in. On the Parsha of the Moadim. It's just a word. One word. Mikra Kodesh. The Ramban already discusses this also. What does the word Mikra Kodesh mean? Simple understanding, it means the gathering, a holy gathering. We get together on Yantiv. Every Yantiv is called Mikra Kodesh. Says the Ksava Kabbalah, maybe there's a deeper idea here. What does Mikra Kodesh mean? Venira line 4. The Ksava Kabbalah always tries to go to the root of the word and teach us something deep about it. Venira Liba Kavana Zamatargamim. Shumilashon Mikra. Asher hora'aso hachana vahazmana. Gam ledavar miyuchad v'kavua. Preparation. Get ready. V'hikrisem lachem arim. Prepare cities to be arimiklat. From the word mikre. Mikre kodesh, 
prepare for the Kedusha. You know what Mikra Kodesh means? It means days that you need to prepare for, to get ready for, in order to get the most out of them. Upirish Mikra Kodesh, Hachana Vahazmana El HaKodesh, Ratzolomar, Sheyachin HaAdames Libo El Kedushas Yamimela, Prepare for these holy days, Vyazet Siur Veroshem Benafsho Mitochan Arasam, Prepare for them. The more we prepare for something, the more meaningful it is. Any experience in life is more meaningful if we prepare for it. If we prepare for a vacation, vacation is that much better. If we prepare for a game, the game is that much better. If we prepare for a holiday, that holiday is so much more experiential for us. Mikra Kodesh. We have to prepare for the Kodesh. We have to study what is the purpose of these of these days. When the Torah demands, says the Kabbalah, that we have to have nice clothing and food and drink, it's not just to make us happy, but it's to put us in a good mood in order to get the deeper message of the day. And he quotes the Sefer Achinoch, Achrei Apoulos, Nimshachos Halavavos. Every single day mentioned in Perach of Gimel, from Pesach through Sukkot, the whole calendar, it's all about preparing for those days. It's all about Mikra Kodesh. To get ourselves ready, the more we get ourselves ready, the more those days can be meaningful to us and we will be able to get more out of them. And that's why that's every mitzvah, that's every day. Yerat Hashem gives us the ability to be able, as we start off tonight, we're counting down, we're counting up. Let's be besimcha, like Rav Shradron said, every time we count, to realize what we're counting towards, to prepare for the day, the only day that really has no simple, right? There's no mitzvah, there's no shofar, there's no lulav, there's no sukkah, there's nothing. There's just us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The more we prepare for it, the more we will get out of it. Okay? We'll stop here.